Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on MovieHouseMemories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. You're listening to Lunchtime Movie Review from LunchtimeMovieReview.com. And we are the children of the 80s. To another episode of Lunchtime Movie Review, the podcast where we look back at some of our childhood favorites and see if they stand the test of time. I'm Chris. I'm Bobby. I'm Chad. G'day, I'm Shane. And for today's episode, we find out what happens when you mix drinking and driving, no seatbelts, and underage kids. Spoiler alert, you get America's pastime, baseball. Uh, Michael Ritchie directs this film starring Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill, Vic Morrow, Jackie Earl Haley, and a bunch of other little kids. But before we begin, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Buttermaker's Brews. Our everyman atmosphere makes every little league game into your personal brew fest. Who needs hot dogs, snow cones, and soda pop? When we have bottles of Budweiser, Miller High Life, Schlitz Malt Liquor, Paps Blue Ribbon, Lucky Lager, and Coors for a whole season of partying. Worried about being 21 or older? At Buttermakers, as long as you're a bear, we don't care. Wear the bears black and yellow and drink till you're drunk or mellow. Tall boy, can, or shorties, we got cases and cases of 40s. Whether you're in the stands or in the dugout, beer will flow whether we win or are shut out. While Yankees' parents beat their kids on the mound, we teach our bears beer was made to pound. And if pounding beer ends up making you crawl, our little Tanner can teach you to brawl. So if Little League Baseball is your game, underage drinking goes by no other name. Buttermakers Brews. Kelly Kelly. All right. <laughs> you, somebody snorted. This is the it most alcoholic uh, film oh we gosh. have reviewed. It's almost as alcoholic as when we reviewed Arthur on Lunchtime Movie Review years ago. But this had real alcohol, didn't it? Real alcohol, real underage kids, real driving, no seatbelts, open convertible, (laughs) and nobody even thought twice about it. I love the 70s. And when Tatum O'Neill kept calling him Boilermaker, based upon what he was drinking, Mm -hmm. I mean, it made perfect sense. Yeah, that's right. Jim Beam and Budweiser for breakfast. Well, let's get a little bit more specific. We open up a beer, pour a little bit out, put the whiskey in, drink it, and drive. <laughs> right. And and he holds and he holds the can while he's talking to the parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into that, let me do a summary on this one. And this is a uh, it's about a forty year old film. So if you haven't watched it yet, uh, fast forward about five minutes because there are spoilers. Bob Whitewood hires Morris Buttermaker, a former minor league baseball pitcher and current alcoholic pool cleaner to coach the Bears, a last-minute addition to a little league baseball team in Southern California. The Bears are composed of the worst kids around with no baseball skills. The only reason they have a team is because of a settlement of a lawsuit Whitewood brought against the league. Buttermaker's team is bad. Pitcher Rudy Stein is nearsighted. Catcher Mike Engelberg spends more time eating than playing. Shortstop Tanner Boyle cusses like a drunken sailor and gets into fights like one as well. Ahmed Abdul Rahim wants to be the next Hank Aaron, but can't hit, can't catch, and can't run. Timmy Lupus is a booger-eating spaz who gets picked on as much as his nose. There's a few Mexican immigrants thrown into the mix with some other kids around to fill up this team. This team is so bad, only Chico's Bail Bonds will sponsor them. In the opening game, the Yankees open up a can of whoop-ass on the Bears, and Buttermaker forfeits the game after the Yankees score 26 runs in the first inning. Humiliated, the team quits the next day, but not because they got beat, but because Buttermaker made them quit. Buttermaker yells at them. He says quitting is a habit they don't want to start, which he already started. He then orders them to get their asses on the field. The next game arrives. The Bears get pounded 18 to nothing. 
So Buttermaker decides to recruit his ex-girlfriend's daughter, Amanda Wurlitzer, to pitch. The team gets better, but not by much. After Lupus drops a fly ball, the team loses again. Angry little Tanner, who should have been cast as a ginger, tries to fight him, but Buttermaker breaks it up and he gives the boys a team wins, team loses speech. Something we will find later that he forgets himself. The next day, Tanner witnesses Joey Turner, the Yankee star pitcher and son of the manager, bully Lupus and Tanner sticks up for him. Joey throws Tanner in the trash, but Lupus thanks him for helping anyway. Buttermaker still needs better players, so he uses Amanda as bait to recruit Kelly Leak, a troubled loner who's the best athlete in the area. Kelly joins the team after a confrontation with Coach Turner, and the Bears' chances of winning improves immediately. The Bears win a few games once Kelly joins, but in his quest to get to the championship game, Buttermaker orders Kelly to catch everything that comes his way. The other kids are resentful towards Kelly, so he stops hogging the ball, pissing off Buttermaker. At his next at-bat, Kelly decides to watch the pitches fly by and gets two easy strikes, pissing off Buttermaker even more. On the last pitch, Kelly lights a cigarette and knocks the ball out of the park. He sends the Bears to the championship game. After that, Amanda, wanting a real family, pushes Buttermaker to spend more time with her and her mom, but Buttermaker box because he's a bum and Amanda walks off crying. On championship day against the rival Yankees, the boys gang up on Kelly for his ball hogging, but Buttermaker breaks it up again. This man has done a lot of breaking up in the film and in his life. He lets it be known that he was the one who told Kelly to hog the ball. This revelation upsets the boys even more who feel Buttermaker betrayed them. The championship game begins on this wonderful note, and Buttermaker and Coach Turner shout at not only each other, but their players as well. They push the boys to the brink in order to beat the other coach. After Amanda takes a cheap shot to the chest, Buttermaker orders Rudy to lean into the strike zone and get hit by a pitch, increasing the number of players on base. Tension culminates when Turner slaps his son Joey on the mound in front of all the parents, after his pitch nearly takes off Bears catcher Engelbert's head. The very next pitch, Engelbert hits a ground ball to Joey, but Joey, still smarting from that slap, just stands there with the ball in his hand, and Engelbert scores. Angry, Joey then walks off the field with his mother and her sweet 70s ass, sponsored by Jordache Jeans. I can't have been the only one that noticed that in this film. <laughs> oh, not at all. You but, were. Yeah, no. But back to the game. Buttermaker orders Rudy to let another pitch hit him, but he refuses and takes a swing at the ball. He grounds out, and Buttermaker gets pissed once again. He yells at both Rudy and his team for playing like they don't want to win the championship game. This berating demoralizes the team even more, and Buttermaker realizes in his quest to be Turner, he has become Turner. Realizing the error of his ways, Buttermaker replaces his starters with his bench warmers forsaking the championship so that everyone can play. However, the benchwarmers still suck. And even with a last-minute rally, the Bears lose the game. The Yankees take home the big championship trophy. Even though the Bears lost, they didn't really lose because they came together as a team, and that's a more valuable life lesson. Buttermaker then gives each boy a celebratory beer from his cooler and makes up with Amanda. Another life lesson learned. The team meets back on the field for the trophy ceremony. There, the Yankees give the Bears a backwards apology and congratulate them on the game. Lupus finally speaks up for himself and throws their second-place trophy at the Yankees, yelling, wait until next year. But I've seen that sequel, and it can wait. The Bears then celebrate on home plate like they won the championship, spraying beers on each other as their parents come and congratulate the boys. They act like nine-year-olds with beer is a normal thing at their house. But this is the 70s, so it probably is. And that is the Bad News Bears. Uh, movie stats, who has them? Chad, how did this movie do in the theater? Okay, Chris. Well, uh, Bad News Bears was released on April 7, 1976, in 443 theaters uh, at a running time of an hour and 42 minutes off of a budget of just at nine million dollars it made 32 million dollars domestically and 42 million dollars worldwide 
Uh, if we adjusted the numbers for inflation, Bad News Bears would have made $139 million at the domestic box wow. office. Is released the same weekend as Sparkle, Family Plot, and All the President's Men. Uh, let's see here. Is released the same year as Rocky, Taxi Driver, Network, The Outlaw Josie Wales, and Carrie. The good version of Carrie, by the way. Um, let's see here. It ranked number 10 at the box office in 1976. Uh, it was just behind The Enforcer and Midway, and just ahead of Silent Movie and The Pink Panther Strikes Again. Let's see here. I like all that time. movie, Pink Panther Strikes Again. Those are all good. I like those, too. Uh, let's see. It produced two sequels, uh, 1977's The Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, uh, which made $19 million itself, uh, starring William Devane. In 1978, the Bad News Bears go to Japan and make $7 million with Tony Curtis in the lead. In 1979, a TV series starring Jack Warden lasted a mere 26 episodes for about a year. And then in 2005... Uh, Billy Bob Thornton uh, took the helm of the Bad News Bears in a remake by Richard Linklater. The budget for that film was $30 million, and it grossed just at $34 million. Walter Matthau was nominated for a BAFTA Award as Best Actor as the role of Buttermaker. Bill Lancaster actually won the Writers Guild Award of America for the best comedy for big screen. And let's see here. Um, the AFI, AFI, excuse me, nominated the bad news bears for its hundred years, hundred laughs category. It's top 10 sports films category and it's hundred years, hundred cheers category, but it wasn't ranked just nominated. And uh, last but certainly not least, um, Internet Movie Database gives uh, the Bad News Bears a 7.3 out of 10 score. Media score gives it an 83 out of 100. Google users give it an 84%. And Shane's favorite, Rotten Tomatoes. No. <laughs> the critics give it 97% favorable. And the audience is a shockingly low 80% favorable. So that's the tale of the tape for the Bad News Bears. This is a very nostalgic film for me. This is probably one of the earliest films that I can remember seeing a movie at the drive-in. I don't know if you guys saw this when it first came out. It's, you know, it, you know in 1976, that might be some of your very early memories. But I still remember seeing this at the drive-in. I remember seeing it very and liking it even though I didn't get the same type of humor I do as an adult. Uh, but it was a movie that I enjoyed back then, and it's a film that I watch, uh, you know, maybe yearly, uh, and I still enjoy to this day. Uh, who's, who saw this back in the day, or what is your earliest memory of seeing this? Um, uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I did not see this, but maybe one time on television back in the day. For whatever reason, I was not a big fan of kids' movies when I was a kid. I just didn't get into them, and this looked like uh, nothing more than a kid's movie to me. I didn't know the subject matter, and then I think I saw it when I was playing Little League and realized it wasn't really a kid's movie, but just didn't grasp into it. So that's all I can say about it from back in the day. Um, I've seen it a few times as an adult, but I never saw it back then. Shane? Uh, baseball's not really a thing down under. Uh, it's cricket, which we call uh, which we call baseball is just like cricket to us, in just a little little different. And when it comes to the movie, I I don't I never saw it at the cinema. I vaguely remember seeing it on TV. I don't even know if it was the actual original Bad News Bears. It could have been one of the sequels. I, I never saw it. A bit like Chad, I I didn't. I watched inappropriately wrong movies as a kid growing up. I watched more adult-themed movies and TV because my parents were a little bit irresponsible, and I just 
grew up that way rather than watching kids' movies. boy. This, this isn't actually a, a totally kid kid movie, obviously. So I watched it for the first time for the podcast in full. I didn't remember pretty much any of it. Um, Tatum O'Neill, though, I have seen clips from this film over the years. Uh, she's terrific, but no, I never saw it. Baseball's... When I think of baseball movies, I think of Kevin Costner, Bull Durham, Mr. Baseball, Tom Caselli, stuff like that, not Bad News Bears. And we'll talk about the remake later because obviously I've seen the Billy Bob Thornton version. But I enjoyed it, but I had no memory of it at all. They didn't make a remake uh, for rugby down there, the Tiwi News Bears? <laughs> well, to, to me, this was basically, when it started, this was like the Mighty Ducks on a baseball diamond yeah. to me. That's what it reminded me totally of. So, yeah, the theme was very familiar, although I hadn't seen this film before. I would say this, The Mighty Ducks was the bad news bearers of hockey is what it pretty much was the, the statement I'd make because the, this this was one of the first, if not the first, underdog teams, uh, team sports in movies where they – the team was literally thrown together to lose or expected to lose that fought back to win because, you know, this is 1976. So I don't remember a lot of, of movies prior to this as an adult. I don't remember a lot of movies prior to this that would have, um, that would have predated it as far as the theme that's been used countless times since Slapshot um, was the year after. Yeah, exactly. So, and that was once again that was the year after. So, this one here, I, I'm actually the the age of these actors that played the characters in the movie. So, this is right in my wheelhouse. Um, I didn't see this in the theater. My parents were were pretty strict when I was uh, being raised, so we didn't see a lot of the the adult themed type of things. And this would have been considered adult themed for kids to be acting this way in my parents' eyes. So I didn't get to see it until it was on network television, probably a year or two later. Uh, and, and back then they couldn't have, they wouldn't have, uh, censored it too badly. So it, I would have seen most of the whole thing. So I've seen this movie, 20 times minimum, um, especially with my kids. I've watched it uh, several times in the last decade or two. And uh, it, it's this one is – I love this movie. It's it's part of my growing up time. And I played baseball uh, growing up at this exact time. I wore the same uniforms they did, everything. So we'll get into it later. But, yeah. I Went to I the same Pizza Hut afterwards. That's like every sports game. <laughs> Go there afterwards. The rich kids went to the Pizza Hut. My my little league, or at least my teams, we were lucky if we got anything afterwards. We didn't even get the orange slices. Mm. So, you know, it was different back then. Orange slices and Gatorade were my favorite parts <laughs> of the... We, we got free water in the mm. fountain. <laughs> yeah, you had to give it a minute for it to warm up because it was hot <laughs> from the sun. And then finally you'd get the cool water. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, yeah, when, when I think of the 70s, uh, the fond memories I have of the 70s, this film comes to mind. I mean, yep. this crystallizes my childhood in many, many ways. I mean, when we would take trips driving some there, we would have a cooler. We would have soda. Dad would have a beer. You wouldn't even think twice. We'd be driving for eight hours. Dad would be drinking beer the whole time. Nobody had mm -hmm. seatbelts. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Dad was smoking. Uh, and you know, if they made this today exactly like this, it would be rated R just for the kids smoking alone. Oh, they wouldn't have allowed it in the dugout like they did. Yeah. That, that last scene would, would not exist. Shouldn't exist. Uh, of the kids with the beer. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, and the yeah. parents not even caring, not even thinking yeah. twice about it. Encouraging it. Even the scene where, where the dad hits the boy, no parents mm. were like, Oh, none yeah. of them care. They were. It, it, that's just the way it was back in the day. I've got a story about that here. I'll tell you in a minute, but that's, that's not as far in our past as we think. So, and I'm just one of those, this is, I see this now since I'm older, uh, is a somewhat of a twisted dark comedy because of the fact that as he walks into the equipment room to get all the equipment, 
the sign is right there that says no alcoholic beverages, no smoking, <laughs> no, you got to turn the equipment in, you got to do this. All, these are all the responsibilities you're supposed to have as a coach. But yet he's breaking all the rules literally as he's setting the team up. So that's why I'm one of those that is my twisted mind. They're having fun with all this saying, hey, fuck you to the rules right away. And that's what this movie's going to be about. Well, even the people in there didn't really have a problem with it. No. As, as yeah, strict exactly. as the, the one lady was whose name I can't remember right now. Um, no, they didn't have a problem with that at all. Uh -uh. That's what the twistedness of the dark comedy is to me is, yeah, these are all the typical rules of society, but we're just going to play with them throughout this whole movie. Uh, everything, like you guys said, from drinking and driving to giving having the kids smoke to giving the kids uh, beer to sitting in the dugout reading the newspaper while you have a cooler full of beer as a coach while the game is going on. None of this stuff would ever be acceptable any place at any point in time. So it's just automatically a middle finger to the society, even back in the 70s, and move on and try to tell a story as to why society is bad and why the rules are bullshit in a way. It's very politically incorrect and as you say it'd be like a r-rated movie now and it just wouldn't happen you would not have movie executives that would sign off on this kind of stuff right. now i don't think you might have a and e or hbo or, Ch or showtime or something maybe do a series because they can sort of do the heaviest stuff i think on tv these days but when it comes to feature films there there's so many more flops and things these days they're more wary of of this causing controversy. So it's just politically incorrect, but I, I loved it. I think I was laughing a lot at Walter Matthau, but if I had seen it as a kid, I wouldn't have got his jokes. I probably would have laughed more at the kids swearing and yes. drinking in that rather than Walter. But now as an adult, I'm, I'm laughing at more Walter's antics and the, and the adults. Well, I think that's why this film has staying power, and I feel like that is why um, the sequels and subsequent uh, TV shows and such uh, don't work as well. Walter Matthau and his rapport with these kids, uh, you, I don't think you can beat it. He is the perfect person to play this role, uh, and he doesn't overdo it. He's not hamming it up. It's very subtle, mm -hmm. and it's something, like you said, as a kid, you, you laugh with the kids as an adult you laugh uh, at yourself laughing for the naive, naivete of the whole thing and re and get the adult humor that is there. It, it's a very well done. It's a, it's a film that has a lot of re uh, repeat viewing and it doesn't get old for that reason. Even if I think you don't care for baseball. Well, his son was the same age as these kids. He was in the movie uh, when it, it, I had to, try to figure out which one he was. And I found out he was one of the athletics when the scene where Kelly is taking everybody's ball away from one another and he's standing over Tanner and he catches Tanner's ball and then runs into the dugout and Tanner's just standing there staring at him. There's a kid, a big tall kid comes running out and says, Hey Tanner, does he go to the bathroom for you too? That's Walter Matthau's son. So the, to have uh his son at the same age, this is a, a real father playing a grouch coach. So it's, it's, it fit his personal life as well as the fact that he was a, an awesome actor and it, it fit him so well. And it was basically Oscar, the Oscar, the grouch from the odd couple playing uh, a kid's manager. So it was just a riot. His son's name's Charles Mathau, isn't it? I didn't realize he was in mm -hmm. this movie. Yeah, he was one of the one of the athletics. He was the tall kid. Okay, yeah, we he was a director. I'm pretty sure he directed his dad at least once. Right. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. I didn't know that. Now, back in the day, Tatum O'Neill was was very hot when I was a, a five year old. <laughs> it, it's creepy to think about it these days but when you were 11 too let me tell you yeah i mean <laughs> but you know for kid actors i think she did a good job or her and jackie earl haley um i think they did they held their own with walter Matthau very well um shane what did you think of both of them in this film uh tatum o'neill on fire paper moon i mean that started it all for her. 
And, you know, Freaky Friday was the same year as this, the 1976 version, and Jodie Foster was in that. So that's a really good year for child actors, I've got to say. Uh, I like Tatum O'Neill, I think, as the female pitch star, the, what do you guys call her, the sharpshooter or something? Pitcher. I don't know. I don't Ace know pitcher. What, Ace pitcher, yeah. Sorry, I don't know my baseball terms very well. Uh, she was great. And acting, she holds her own not only with, uh, the other kid actors, but yeah, Walter Matthau and, and any other adults she comes in contact with really formalized acting from a young, young soul. And she's great. Uh, as for Jackie L. Haley, it was only again, recently I realized that he was in these films. He was a child actor that now, you know, has developed into a really good adult actor. As far as I'm concerned, he was good in this right from the first time you see him when he lights the, cigar for Walter so yeah he's impressive and I think he's not all of them but a few of them including Jackie L. Haley appeared in the sequels so he stuck around at least yeah Jackie was uh he drove the van in the sequel (laughs) yeah yeah so I I really like them both but Tatum O'Neill's a a definite standout here fantastic kid actress yeah I agree with you I've been a big fan of Jackie Earl Haley uh probably my whole life I, um, uh, breaking away which is takes place in indiana he was one of the main characters in that movie and i always appreciated his acting in that and a lot of his other movies i couldn't believe he took such a long break in acting but when he came back he knocked it out of the ballpark with um no pun intended with uh <laughs> watchmen and little children and even the nightmare on elm street movie he did he was pretty decent in um, I've always been a very impressed by him and he was exceptional in bad news bears. I think he played that character of Kelly Lee perfectly. I mean, at the moment he wins me over for sure is when he walks up to the lady and tells her, Hey, I got a Harley Davidson. Does that turn you on? <laughs> I mean, that's just perfect. 12, 13 year old kid being a smart ass. Uh, loved it. And then as for Tatum O'Neill, um, yeah, she was definitely a cutie in her, younger years i always liked her and christy mcnichol together in little darlings um had a huge crush on both of them when i was younger and uh, i knew christy yep christy (laughs) mcnichol was actually up for and actually got the role that tatum o'neill got as amanda but yet they the producers and director changed their mind last minute and went with tatum o'neill for this movie but uh yeah, I liked her in this movie. I thought she she knocked it out of the ballpark, too. I mean, her emotions, her comedy, everything was just spot on. Aces and a bravo to her. She was awesome. Yeah, I, I like both of them very much in the movie. They were excellent actors. Uh, Tatum coming off of her Oscar win, and just as a child actor, she could hold her own with any adult. I thought that she was a, an excellent choice to be Walter's uh his alter ego basically as a child so or not the alter ego she was well she was the opposite of him as a child uh she was basically his mother so it was really good to have a a female on an all-boy team with an out-of-control coach so that was a very good touch to have her in there uh and then jackie uh some people i've heard talk about well you know he was just too good to be true, you know, nobody's that good at that age, but the reality, and I know Jackie was 15 when he played the role of a 12 year old, but he, uh, my, my older brother was the Jackie Earl Haley's character. He was the Kelly leak of his time. He was just great. And that's just, there are kids that are that mature early. And I thought he played his role so well. Uh, you know, I, and I agree. Was it uh, Chad that said about the Harley Davidson with the girl or was that Shane? Yeah. Um, but uh, when I when, what I heard because I'm a ball player and a coach was I didn't hear Harley Davidson. I heard, "Hey, I'm batting 871 for the Bears," and I was just like, <laughs> "He's <laughs> he's batting 871 out of a thousand is amazing. Every eight out, almost nine out of times he's up to bat, nine out of ten times he's up to bat, he's getting a, a, a safe hit. As like that dude is a stud, and so yeah, I thought he pulled that off really well. He was hated by the other adults in that program, which there are kids that are that way even today, where they're just 
they're the outcast nobody wants even if they're talented they are truly treated horribly chased off whatever to go to jail because hey they're they're not the chosen kids so get them out of here so you know, i thought he played that character extremely well was he got my sympathy immediately um as badass as he was he was very authentic so yeah it was fun to watch both of them and I know a kid like that from school. Yep. I mean, that's Absolutely. not an unrealistic unreal, character at all. Nope. Yep. Well, it happens in when they're adults, too. Look at Wild Thing, Charlie Sheen, Major League. He was yep. accepted. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about Tanner? Tanner hey, is... T- Tanner's my hero, uh, I'm telling you. He, he hey, was, man. He honestly, Tanner's my age in real life. He's he's my age uh, right now. So he, during the movie, that was my and I was the smallest kid on every team growing up. I was uh, I was better than he was, but I didn't get into many fights as many fights as he did either. So he was a tough little guy. And if you don't like Tanner by the end of this movie, if you don't like Tanner in the first five minutes of this movie, you you don't you won't get this movie. Tanner is the stud of this team and he's the t- the tiniest guy has the biggest temper, the the filthiest mouth and I still laugh out loud when I see him on screen. I when he when they were hitting balls at him in the first game and the first one went by him and he throws his mitt on the ground and the second one goes by and he throws his mitt on the ground, third one rolls by and he throws his mitt at the running kid right in front <laughs> yeah. of him. I was on the ground. It was like, "Oh my god." I can't I because I forget that stuff and then he's trying to tackle a kid out in the outfield that you know hey does he you know go to the bathroom for you and he goes out and runs after this kid literally three times his size and he's trying to tackle him it was like this dude is the kind of guy that I would have been friends with growing up he was just a stud so <laughs> love yeah, I can't I, I'm with you he was the highlight or the best uh <laughs> outstanding player he was absolutely hilarious loved watching him the only thing he pissed me off about was uh i think it was the yankees bunted on the uh, bears when they were up 20 to nothing in the first game they played and i was waiting for him to go and beat the shit out of the kid who bunted and uh, he didn't do it but other than that tanner all-star all-star yeah all, all i'll say is uh chris barnes as tanner boyle what a little legend <laughs> and now but for a 1976 movie, this had a pretty diverse cast. I mean, they yeah. they had all the, I guess you could say, ethnic groups of little boys that wanted to play ball. Uh, I and I'm, since it's California, I would assume that it's fairly representative of the, of what would happen back then. You know, the the little Mexican kids who I believe, since they didn't speak any English, were probably new to the country at that time. Um, they you know they had a a Muslim black boy. Um, you know, they had the full spectrum of people and Buttermaker treated them all the same poorly, but he treated them all the same. <laughs> they they were all his pool boys, his slave labor pool boys, while he told them the same lies of for stories every time and they <laughs> well, believed it. And, and if it and if it wasn't just the ethnics either, I mean he had he was mean to everybody. I mean it the weight, the fact that lupus mm-hmm. couldn't catch, I mean it did not matter. You know, he was mean to everybody. Mm-hmm. So and and like you were saying earlier, uh, PC movie or not, having Tanner basically call everybody by their their most ridiculously horrible <laughs> ethnic name yeah. right? multiple times in the movie was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is a sign of the times. And it was still only PG. Yeah. How many films do you know where a uh, well, like a nine or ten year old boy can drop the N bomb and it still be a PG movie? No kidding. No, that isn't. They aren't uh, outside picketing the movie, mm. like like Shane was saying. Oh yeah, you, you like obviously back then it was a little bit more accepted, but still, um, how can you drop that and and be PC? Um, and that's that's just one thing. Yeah, incredible when you think about it. Like now, it's, I mean, it just would not happen. And things are changing so much when it comes to the movie industry. I'm seeing it firsthand at, with work and things I'm getting across my desk. So it's just interesting going back in time to watch these movies, how even for TV then, they cut a lot out. So if this movie was, I saw it on TV, I wouldn't have heard the swearing and stuff, I don't think. They would just no. sort of bleeped yeah. it all, cut it all out. So it would have been a, a different 
as you know, that movies used to have one version for TV modified and then the actual version you could only see at a theatre before VHS came in. Yeah, because one of the things, uh, like I said, I think this is a great dark comedy in a way because the uh, Buttermaker would end up eventually becoming a proper role model in a movie today. I mean, he didn't start that way, but he would have become a proper role model. And how drinking would have stopped halfway through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he would have learned how to educate youth properly. He would have been able to see the difference between disciplining a child and instructing a baseball player. He would have found a sense of community. He would have rallied everybody together, and everybody would have been happy at the end, and everybody would have learned a magical lesson. But it didn't happen in this movie. It never really truly happened. Nobody really became a better person in the grand scheme of things at all. He wouldn't have prostituted out his 12-year-old ex-girlfriend's daughter (laughs) to get another kid to join the team. (laughs) I mean, but but that's the lesson and the beauty of this movie. I mean, granted, it's now 2018 and this was 1976, but that's the beauty of this movie is we don't need to have the shit that you see today where it's all a bunch of unicorns and roses and flowers well, and sunshine sprinkles. Yes. Yeah. But I, I'll speak to that one because in real life, I, as a coach, I, my daughter, I was coaching my daughter's 12 year old or her 12 U softball team. Mm-hmm. And we were the bad news bears, uh, that year we were the 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 expansion team where i got two kids and everybody else's rosters were set sure. in in a 40 team league uh, around the le- around the valley and i had to draft my kids all unknowns i had to coach them all up and we ended up getting into a game with a team where we were already in the playoffs and this other team needed to win to get to the playoffs we had eight girls that were able to show up for the game which you can play with yeah. eight kids and so we did and the other team came. They had to win to make the playoffs. And their coach was the head of the entire league. He was the the Roy Turner re- guy in real life for this town. And this guy, my team was leading, and he came out and he grabbed a girl's face mask, was shaking her around, was dropping the f bomb the entire game, but just just unloaded on this girl in front of every parent in that whole place, and nothing was done. Uh, we ended up we ended up winning that game, and he got knocked out of the tournament or out of the league. But uh, he he was still the head of the league the next year. I mean, these people really exist still to this day, and it's it's cruel what they do to kids. There's just no fun like it was back in 1976. This stuff was normal. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you, I mean not the not the abuse and that no. kind of thing, but the joy that you know this was not the World Series every time they walked out onto the onto the 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 playing field they basically went out there to have fun learn a few things and when you at the end of the season did you enjoy it yeah great you're coming back next year yeah okay great that's that's successful season end of story move on next sport the sense of community everybody's doing it to have fun and bring the community together Uh, that's why i don't see that anymore especially in the little leagues and stuff like that it's more Everybody's about travel ball and yeah. moving around and playing the best of the best wherever you can, however it is. Well, and they're and, year-round baseball players. There's yeah. no, there's no. Let's go baseball, then soccer or football, yeah. and then off into the basketball or or wrestling or what. You know, none of that. It's basically baseball, 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 yep. and 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 it's it's lost its joy. And I think that's the part that I love about this movie is it brings us back to a time where it was somewhat innocent, yep. beer and you know stuff aside this was something that that's why nostalgia for people of our age can look back on this and go okay well there are movies that are kind of like chris said this puts me right back in the 70s and how much fun it was in that time warts and all i mean back then you could still play smear the queer and um and use queer exactly yeah and easy nobody would be like oh that's you know they it's basically where everybody gangs up and tackles one kid who's it you know, the hospital. not only would they not let you play that rough, they wouldn't even let you use the word queer oh, right? Um, because they think it's <laughs> right. the, in relation to a, a gay person, which it had none of that. No. But, um, you know, these days people just think they think differently. Yep. 
Yeah, you you wouldn't. I've never heard of that game. I never participated in that one. It was great, Shane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I played rugby league, and I had I remember parents sitting on eskies. I mean, you call them coolers, but eskies full of beer and yelling abuse from the sideline stuff. We had a coach who smoked in front of us while we trained, even in the change rooms at, at times. I remember. So you know, and other players taking little nips of vodka if they've had a big night the night before and then running out to play. All this happened in the late 80s, 90s when I played footy. So it's it's universal, obviously, guys. Yep, it is. This is very quickly becoming a uh, when I was your age. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, we haven't really talked about the director, Michael Ritchie. He's a pretty he's established director, and this is obviously one of his highlights. But he only made one other, as far as I know, one other baseball movie. I would thought he would have made more after the success of this one. It's all downhill from this one. Well, he did do The Golden Child, which is <laughs> I kind of like. And what a movie I always talk about he also made. One of the great comedies that Chevy Chase and Jack Palance did together, Cops and Robinsons. Few people know it, but it's a very funny movie, and I bring it up all the time. He did Fletch. Yeah, Fletch, of course, is great, and uh, Fletch lives, Chris. Well, and the, sounds like and the, sounds like Chevy and Chase, and he had a thing because he was up for Walter Matthau's role, right? Yeah, I do believe that. I wasn't sure if if you guys knew that either, but yeah, I, I think that's what was supposed to happen back then. But was Chevy? A star then, or was he still emerging? Was there was SNL on? In the he would have just season? left after the first season of it, right? I, I, I don't imagine Chevy doing a good job in that role. No, yeah, no, because I read it was supposed to be either Steve McQueen or Warren Beatty, and then Walter Matthau was the third choice. Okay, Steve McQueen would have been a very interesting pick. Yeah, he would have kung fu to everybody. I don't think you would have had as much comedy in it as as yeah. Walter brought. No, well, that that's something I don't think Steve ever did really a comedy. He, he did some lighter roles, but an actual yeah. comedy, I don't think Steve McQueen actually made. No. And I'm surprised to hear when you mentioned earlier there was 20 plus episodes for a TV series. Yeah, uh, I did see uh, there was two sequels, but. 20 episodes plus episodes of something I never even knew existed. I mean, that's pretty good just to base around one team, you know, in a game. They must have just, like, travelled different playing matches each episode, I guess. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know there was a TV series of it, so I can't help you on that one. But I will bring up one thing about we talked about how many different flavors of uh, or brands of beer he drank earlier on. I think I counted six or seven. But the one thing that I'm going to play, I'm what Chris's nostalgia game here. The first beer he pulls, he pulls a pullback tab, (laughs) which they had to outlaw because people would pull the tab off and put it in the can, then drink it. And I don't know, I'm going to go to Bobby and Chris on this one. Did you guys ever watch the TV show Emergency back in the day? Oh, yeah. I don't there remember a... watching that one, though. No. Okay. Yep. Engine 51 uh, that became yeah, Emergency. Ke- Kevin Teague, I think, was one of the guys. Ty, yeah. Yeah, Ty, sorry. But yeah, he. Uh, there was a famous episode of that where uh, Father had taken his beer can, pulled the pull-off tab off, put it in the beer can, took a swig, <laughs> and the tab went straight down his throat. So they had to come into a trach tube and everything to get the tab out. And that scene in that TV show scarred me for life. <laughs> when I saw Walter Matthau pull the tab off in this, it was like, holy cow, he's going to choke on that tab. But that's one of those things that took me back to the 70s and made me think about all that good stuff. Back in the 70s, what we would do with those tabs was, or us and boys and girls, would they would just take them and use them as rings, and they'd just keep putting more and yeah. more of them onto your finger and just mm-hmm. see how, how big of a ring you can yeah. make. So that was the thing for kids with those. So, yeah, this 
honestly, this movie is literally like like looking at my childhood all over again because I I played so many years. I, I only played little league baseball. I never got to go past that because I had to work. Once I got to thirteen, I was working, um, so during spring, so I was never able to play again. But it was fun to watch these guys because. I saw every one of my friends. I saw myself in so many of these kids, and to to see them, be, you know, be the bad kids or the uh, the the not very good kids, all the way up through to you know making it past, you know, making it to the championship game. I thought, by the way, the ending I thought was very fitting for this. I know it went through a test screening where it was either going to be a a, a win or a lose. And I think they made the right choice because I, this is a, a movie that I think if people were to look at it, put it into a time capsule, this is the one of the choices from the 70s I would choose. Have you have any of you watched the remake recently with Billy Bob Thornton? Because even though that was made uh, not that long ago, back in 2005, that's actually not quite as harsh as the 1976 version. I mean, he's he's pretty rough in it on the kids. And, and they're equally as mischievous, but do you guys remember that that one at all? I, I won't watch it because Billy Bob Thornton to me is not somebody I like to watch, especially around kids. I think he's just – he's brutal, and it, it's just not a joy to me. So I, I haven't seen it, and I will never see it because th- it would tarnish this one to me. I've only seen half of it, and I didn't. I and I had. I don't know why I didn't see the whole thing, but I'll need to go back and watch it sometime. I like Richard's work, so that's my big reason to go and watch it. All right, let's go around the table here. Um, final thoughts on the film, and do you think it stands the test of time, uh, Bobby? Yes, this movie is truly a testament of baseball uh, at its one of its more innocent times for children. You're not going to find many older movies that have baseball in them as the, the main theme. So this is one of the very first that you'll ever see Uh, many, many since then, but this is one of the first, I think this is one of the more authentic uh, portrayals by children actors who were actually the, most of them were the ages of the, the kids they were portraying. And I thought that they pulled off the baseball pretty well it's you know they aren't great athletes but a lot of 12 year olds aren't so it's it's fun to watch the errors it's fun to watch definitely watching the humor and watching the kids interaction with one another you know that we talk about the goonies and we talk about uh, all of the brat pack and all of those kinds of kid actor type settings the disney channel kids they to me the this group here was more of an authentic setting and i think these guys here was uh i think this was a movie that if i were a parent today that i had children that were in baseball or softball or or you know any sport really where they want to see a fun uh david versus goliath situation where these kids basically foul mouths and all it's worth watching. It's funny uh, at both adult and kid level. Uh, it's a fun family, uh, even with the bad stuff in it. It's a family movie, and I think that uh, this movie not only tests, stands the test of time. This is a movie that I believe that the Baseball Hall of Fame should put into their shrine and, and keep that forever for them as well. So, yeah, excellent, excellent movie. I think this is well worth your time anytime. Uh, Shane, as the non-American what did you think of it? <laughs> well, they don't make many cricket movies, so yes. Uh, this gets a resounding yes. It stands the test of time as an authentic comedy. It's got a terrific cast. Uh, good to see Vic Morrow, the late Vic Morrow there. It's a lot of fun. I do love the name Amanda Wurlitzer. I think that's just a brilliant movie name. Uh, Tatum O'Neill, of course, that's her in, in, in one of her finest roles, I would, would say, in I mean, it was probably only one of her very first roles, close to it anyway. And I don't know, Criterion could do something with this. Yeah, that'd be great. It would be. I know a lot of people have passed, but you've still got someone like Jackie L. Haley and and others involved in the film. And you're good to know a bit about the background because it's not a movie. People know it, but it's not a movie that gets brought up much, I I don't think, or enough. Uh, it's, It's terrific. I was surprised. I liked it. Uh, I think Walter Matthau is just the core of it all, though. 
as as well as some of those kids are, and we've we've pinpointed a few of them. I think Walter is just great in this everything he does, and it's so effortless. Uh, I I stand by this movie, and I'm really glad that I got to see it. Chad, yeah, I think it definitely stands the test of time for me. In the grand scheme of it, it's one of the best dark comedies ever. It's one of the best sports movies ever. It's one of the best just basic comedies. Uh, very nostalgic for the time period, much like a slap shots. Um, you can go and watch it and be right back into that point in history uh, with the clothes, the attitude, the restaurants, the language, uh, personalities, everything. It's awesome. I'm glad we reviewed it, and I definitely recommend Everybody watch this movie at least 10, 15 times. <laughs> Makes me want to think about Carmen too, the opera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really have much to add to what you guys have said. This, this film not only stands the test of time, it, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I, there's, there's just nothing bad I can say about it. I enjoy it every time I watch it. Um, and I, I see something new every time, you know, and the farther we get from the seventies, the more, uh, you know, the more I enjoy it. I think, uh, you know, it just reminds me of a time when I was little and had no responsibility, uh, freedom to do whatever the heck I wanted. And yeah, it it was the seventies are a very fond time in my memories for me. So this is just one of the, the little things that uh, brings it back. Yep. As a kid, I never not remembered seatbelts. I always remember having seatbelts. Mm. Oh, no, I, no. I, the the, the what, mom's seatbelts. Yeah, <laughs> you'll remember there were no seatbelts. Yeah, mom's arm coming out when she hit the brakes. Yes. That was your your only seatbelt. I remember sitting on the armrest in between the driver's seat and the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. I was up in the back a... window of a Volkswagen. Ah. So we used to hang out there where the sun would keep us warmer because, <laughs> because the heater didn't work. Yeah, no. We must have stricter road rules down under or something. We do we do drive on the left-hand side of the road, which is the right side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for today's Nostalgic Review. Please let us know what you think of the film in the comments section on our website and rate it from one to five stars on that page as well. If there is an 80s film you'd like us to review, please send us an email at comments at moviehousememories.com with your name, your pick, and your location. And finally, if you are of the social media persuasion, you can look the MHM Podcast Network up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you do, please give us a follow when you find us. On behalf of the whole gang here at Lunchtime Movie Review, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we have to get out of here. And you guys are invited. This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme song for Lunchtime Movie Review, Fireworks, is brought to you by Alexander Nakarada at SerpentineSoundStudios.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Lunchtime Movie Review, the MHM Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted. Mm-hmm.